You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. To everybody, I'm pretty excited. I'm sitting um, in the new High FM studios, which is absolutely fantastic. Well done to Kathy and her team of actually moving this very complicated and very, uh, you know, intricate system to another place. It's absolutely wonderful to to to, to be here. And Hatslacharaba, there should be lots and lots of success to. Chai FM. We are going to be learning Torah today. We are going to be looking into chapter one of Genesis. We're about to finish this chapter. Um, it's taken us quite a number of weeks. Um, we are exploring the mysteries of creation and we're coming now to, to the end, to the, to the finality of it all. We've got verses 28 to 31. Um, to get through and really again fascinating verses um, very hard for me to distill just some ideas on them because as always Torah is so deep and it's got so many layers we, we're able to you know spend lots and lots and lots of time um, on each and every single word last week we were discussing the creation of man and how God had a bit of an endeavor with the whole of creation or um, some other rabbi said with the angels on how to create man. And once they've created man, they, um, God went and created him. But when we use the word him, we know that God actually created an androgynous human being, a human being that had both male and female. Um, and that was the first human being it was created in the image of God. Okay. Um, in B'Tselem Elohim. Um, Bara or Tor, God created him in the absolute image of God. And since we know that God is complete, he's both male and female, so too this first human being was, in fact, male and female. We are going to carry on the trend, um, and we are going to look at the last few verses, which essentially gives man his mission um, on on the planet, what it is that he has to do. And uh, we are going to learn about the first mitzvah of the Torah, the first commandment given to the human being. We're looking in verse 28. So if you have a um, Chumash, if you have a Bible in front of you, we're looking at chapter 1, verse 28. It goes as follows. Vayivarech otam Elokim, God blessed them, this first man, man and woman uh, being, Vayomer lahem, and he said to them, Peru, Uruvu, Umilu etaaretz. You should be fruitful and multiply, fill the Earth, they kivshuha, subdue it, urdu bidgat hayam, and you will rule over the fish of the sea, over of hashamayim, and over the bird of the sky, the hol, the hol hachaya, haromeset, al haaretz, and also over every living thing that moves the earth. That is verse 28. I'm going to read the other three verses just so that we have continuity. Vayomer Elohim and God said, Hinei natati lachem et kol esef zorea zera asher al kol haaretz. I am giving to you all, all the herbs that yield seed that is upon the entire earth. Vechol the et kol ha'etz asher bo pre'etz, and also all the fruit trees, all the trees that yield fruit, lachem hiye lo'ochla, that will be for you for food. Vechol chayat ha'aretz, vechol of ha'shamayim, and all the animals of the land, and all the birds 
of the trees, and everything that crawls on it, those things that have a living soul, they too shall eat the green herb for food, and it was so. And finally, verse 31 reads, Vayar Elokim et kol asherasa. God looked at everything that he had made. Vehine tov me'od. It was very good. Vayehi erev, vayehi voker, yom hashishi. It was evening and it was morning, the sixth day. So over here we have quite a few themes. The first theme is the, the, the idea where God blesses blesses the first human being, the the male and the female, and he says to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the land, and conquer it. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the purpose of man. Man has been brought into this world. Man is the pinnacle of creation. He's created last. Um, as we explained before, there's two reasons why he was, expla- he was created last. The first is to know that he is the pinnacle of creation, that he is the cherry on the top. He is the one um, for which the entire world was created. The whole um, the whole uh, scene was set for him. Everything that is found on this planet is there for man in order that he goes and he conquers this world, that he's fruitful, he multiplies, and he fills, fills this earth. And the mission here is, is that we look for godliness in absolutely everything that we do, that we go out and we make this a dwelling place for God in this world. And that mission, that charge is way higher than the angels, the mountains, the valleys, the great seas, the, 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 the enormous elephant, and the powerful lion. We human beings hold within us the reason, the raison d'etre of the creation of this world. And it is up to us um, to ensure that we fulfill that mission. More importantly, we have um, a very famous rabbi by the name of the Rambam Maimonides. And Maimonides comes to teach us, uh, he actually teaches us and codifies for us the 613 mitzvot of the Torah, the 613 commandments of the Torah. Now, we know, um, as we discussed, I think it was last week or the week before, there are 248 positive mitzvot, 248 to-dos, things that we have to go out and do, and 365 do-nots. Um, that we, we learned, I think it was in the context of the fact that the body has 248 limbs and 365 sinews, um, and that we are ourselves a microcosmic package of what the world is at large macrocosmically. But the first, if you open up the codification of the Rambam, the Sefer HaMitzvot, as it is called, you will see that the first to-do that... Um, that uh, the Rambam codifies the first mitzvah of the Torah is in fact the mitzvah of the of of the the need for man the command for man to be fruitful and multiply and this in essence is the mitzvah of marriage it is 
vital. It is incumbent upon each and every single person to ensure that they get married and that they, um, A, physically continue the existence of man um, on this planet, but more so um, part of the reason for this insistence on being married is that we pass on to the next generation and the generation after that ad infinitum the reason why we were created and the job that we have to do again that is to make a dwelling place for God um, in this world and uh, just after we come back from the break we're going to go a little bit more into understanding what it is to be married, what does it mean to be married? How do we actually fulfill the mitzvah on a, on a, on a, on a halachic level? Saucy burgers, flame grilled steaks, tender grilled chicken, and the best succulent beef, ribs in Johannesburg. You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Indeed you are, and we are learning the verses of Genesis 28, chapter 1, 28 to 31, where we get the mitzvah of... Pruruvu, filling, multi, filling the earth, being fruitful and multiplying. So as I said before the break, this is the first mitzvah of the Torah. It's the first commandment of the Torah. It is a commandment um, that was given to mankind, not only to the Jewish people. And uh, I want to take you through just very, very, um, I won't say superficially, but just very concisely, with some of the ideas that are written about marriage in the Torah. The Torah is replete with how we should be behaving in marriage, how we should get married, how our marriages should run. Um, and honestly, if we look back throughout our history, even to this very day, marriage is something that's held exceedingly central to um, in, in the Judaic paradigm. Um, we are told that if someone has a Sefer Torah at hand. Um, somebody earns the five books of Moses written out properly. It's, a, it's actually a, a prized possession to have. One is not allowed to sell it. There are two reasons um, to be given when you can sell it. One of them is in order to get married. If you need the finances and you need to get married, well, that is one of the times. We also know that when it comes to the laws of family purity, which very, again, concisely is the framework within which a married man and woman exist in the framework of marriage for the first 12 to 14 days of a woman's, woman's menstrual cycle. They do not have physical contact, after which a woman immerses herself in a mikveh, in a pool water, um, a pool of water specifically made for this purpose, after which Generally, the next two weeks, man and woman are allowed to be intimate. Um, we are told that if there are very little funds, um, if there's not enough funds around in the community, that before even building a synagogue, before building a school, before building anything, one needs to build a mikvah. One needs to build that pool of purification. And the reason is because Torah holds marriage of absolute prime importance. It is the fountain, it is the foundation from which the Jewish people exist, from which the next generation and the generation of that exists. And um, a lot 
of the laws surrounding community are, so to speak, subservient to the sanctification and the ability for, the, for, for marriage to thrive. And we go back to the fact that this is, in fact, the first verse, the first commandment of the Torah. I'm going to share with you some ideas of what the Torah says about marriage. Some seem pretty strange in today's world. Um, you know, there definitely has been an evolution along the way of society and what and how marriage has been viewed. A lot of it has been pretty negative um, in that Maybe even 50, 100 years ago, there was still a sanctity to marriage. There was still a responsibility and a commitment to the process of marriage. Today, marriage, unfortunately, has become as disposable as the disposables we use, um, which is really a very, very sad state of affairs because we all can see quite openly the disaster of the lack of marriage, broken marriages, and everything in between um, when it comes to raising the next generation, keeping stability in the home, etc., etc. And I will give a caveat here. There is a place and a time for divorce. Um, divorce is a mitzvah in the Torah. And, uh, you know, if somebody is finding themselves in a, an abusive situation, um, in a place where their, their lives are in danger, or in specific circumstances, absolutely the Torah does not believe that a person has to live in misery. I'm talking on a general level, as a general rule, um, in marriages. Mar marriage is very difficult. It is the cauldron um, from which we, we, we learn to and, and grow as human beings. There is nobody around, um, albeit that we like to think that the grass is greener on the other side. There's nobody around that has the perfect marriage or the perfect marriage partner, or that they themselves are perfect. Um, we move, come into marriage imperfect, and it is through the process of living with somebody else and changing the world with somebody else, creating new worlds with somebody else, that we are able to dig deep inside of ourselves and bring out the best. But by no means is it an easy task. It's probably one of the most difficult tasks uh, you know, ever given to man. And that's really why we kind of have demeaned marriage into a, a disposable item today. Just simply people do not have the wherewithal, the ability to stick around and work through something that is very, very difficult at times. At the same time, while it is difficult, it says that man and woman cannot understand God, cannot understand the world entirely until they are married. Because the coming together of a man and woman um, intimately, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, that coming together, that fusion together is in fact a, an act that mimics the the unity of God, and that's why we have the halacha, we have the law that the kohen gadol, the high priest that served the Jewish people in the time of the temple, he could not have the status of the high priest unless he was married. It's almost as going to have marriage counselor counseling from somebody who's never got married, who doesn't understand the dynamics of marriage. Um, one, one is obligated and one needs to get married in order to, in order to feel fulfilled. And so this is a vital 
foundation. Uh, it, it, it really come, really gets connected to very much the innermost part of who we are. Our rabbis tell us as follows, one cannot have a good life without a, va- a wife and vice versa. Um, and luckily today um, I was informed by the controller that uh, we're having some issues with the Internet, so we aren't receiving any SMSs or WhatsApps. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, regarding the topic, though, I would like, you know, to have a conversation with you on this. Man cannot have a good life without a wife and vice versa. Um, And it said that one should do everything in one's power to ensure that one gets married. Now, in traditional Jewish law, uh, a man should strive to get married by the age of 18 years. Yep, you heard it, 18 years. And this was actually a law learned from the Kohen Gadol, from the high priest. If you go look in the book of Leviticus in uh, chapter 21, verse 13, there is a verse talking about the fact that he is obligated to marry, it says there, and he shall take a woman in her virginity. And the word and he, the who, okay, if you look at the numerical value of the word the who, vav is six, hey is five, vav is six, and aleph is one. If you add all of that all together, it comes to 18. And so traditional Jewish law until modern times now really um, – kind of like stuck very close to that age that a boy should marry. By the age of 18, um, this was a time where Torah um, recognized that a boy had come into maturity. And uh, as I said before, uh, we are told that the commandment to marry and to have children is more important than the building of the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple. Also, just from a practical point of view, but a very, very true thing, it says that a person is better equipped to raise children when he is young um, and one has the necessary patience for children. That I certainly can testify. Thank God I've had my children very young, and I know now when I do look after my grandchildren, I certainly do not have uh, the wherewithal that I had uh, 20 years ago in looking after children and let me be, let it be said that I'm not that old, but certainly as time does go by, you tend A to get set more in your ways. You tend to have less of physical stamina in bringing up a family. One of the other things that the rabbis teach, which um, should be emphasized more certainly in today's modern world is that when seeking a wife or a husband one should not pay attention to dowries and gifts as they are meaningless okay if a man does not seek a compatible wife but marries for money for money says the torah the union will not be blessed a man should accept whatever his in-laws give him or whether it be much or little and trust that god will make up for that lack um if he does right. That is something that's vitally important. I think something that skews world opinion today is that we tend to hold back in marriage because we have to finish this and we have to get that and this degree is important and we need so much money in the bank, etc., etc. And whilst, again, I am not negating the importance of the ability to live, um, way too much importance is placed on that and a, a lot of time um, is wasted 
um, on young people trying to find that time when they will be able to settle down when in fact they could have done it you know much much earlier and uh, again speaking from personal experience uh, I got married pretty young along with with my husband and no we didn't have all the ways and means or an ability you know to to get married the way today's society does but it did not um, weather us down rather it made for 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 a better marriage for a better relationship and whatever we did we we, we did together we toiled together so this is pretty much um, kind of a a, 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 a an, an interesting view in terms of the way the world sees sees marriage today um, but it was something that I think was held far great in far greater esteem in generations gone by, certainly all the way from Adam until probably a hundred years ago when um, we started becoming far more liberal minded i don 't want to offend anybody in understanding that uh, you know that i don 't agree on 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 the emancipation of women and the ability for women to have their right in marriage. None of that is up for question. No question about all of that. Nevertheless, we have worn down on the foundations of what a marriage is all about. Now, just from a halachic, from a law, a Jewish law perspective, how does one fulfill the mitzvah of pruruvu? How does one kind of like tick it off and say, I have fulfilled this mitzvah correctly? So the rabbis teach us that a man has to father both a son and a daughter. Um, most opinions hold that it should be two children. Um, some other opinions hold that if he had, for example, um, many sons, he hasn't fulfilled the mitzvah until he also has a daughter. Other rabbis hold, hold the following, um, that one not only needs to have a son and a daughter, but one also needs to um, ensure that that son and daughter um, <clears throat> is going to have their offspring. And in fact, many, many rabbis hold the fact that one only fulfills the mitzvah of puravu, one only fulfills the mitzvah of marriage once your offspring have offspring, meaning that you become grandparents. Then one knows for certain that one has populated the world and has passed on the, the message to not only the next generation, but the generation after. Just an interesting case, um, if a Gentile, chooses to has has children and chooses to convert to Judaism then when him and his children convert his obligation is fulfilled there is no need for him to have more children after he converts so that is something as well that is pretty interesting you know, we're going to get into the verse in, in, in chapter 2 where it says, Lotov Adam Hiyot It is not good for man to be alone. And this really brings in the whole discussion about relationships. Human beings need relationships, and a human being particularly needs an intimate relationship, a relationship with a specific person that allows them to connect on, 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 on a much deeper level. Now, this entire idea about relationships 
the attraction to the opposite sex, the entire idea about sexuality actually comes from these verses primarily. And I just want to spend a little bit of time discussing sexuality, discussing this, this, this need, this very, very deep need for a person to find another that will help them fulfill not only themselves, but um, each other and the, them together as a group. It comes from the verse where we learned, learned, where we read last week, Vayivra Elokemeta Adam Betzalmo. God created man in his image, Betzalem Demut, Betzalem Elokim Bara Oto. He created them in the image of, of, of God, Zachar Unakeva Bara Otam. He created them male and female. And as we explained last week, he created the first human being as an androgynous human being, meaning there was male and female together on one, in one human being. They were a, a, um, a, a symbol of unity. They had both male and female. Well, he or she, it's very hard because I guess we can't call it it. This human being, this entity had both male and female characteristics. As we get, continue into the story of Genesis, you will see that God puts man to sleep and takes woman away from him and makes two separate entities. But in that creation, in that change of that first human being, what we find is that now moving forward throughout creation and then all the way up to our time, we have the entity of a, a human being called male and the, the, a human being called a female. And what a human male and female will do, irrespective of religion, irrespective of creed, irrespective of anything, they will, as they grow into their formative years, into the years of maturity um, from an emotional, psychological and mental um, place, they will seek that other, that other part of them that they, so to speak, lost once they were, they, they, they came into this world. What do I mean? It says that in the world of souls, the soul is, is an entity, a full, a complete entity, um, mimicking the image of God. And it is, it is, it's completely, it's, it's complete. Once the soul comes into this world, we are taught by our rabbis that male and female get split. And probably most times come into the world at different times, at different years, different spaces. And what happens within the formative years, the first 20, 25 years of a person's life, we go out and we seek that which we have lost. And that is the explanation, really, when one finds that lost peace, that there is this euphoria, this excitement, this knowing, this uh, prince Charming on a white horse, this incredible woman that completely uh, fills you. And really, this is indicative of all the wedding speeches, all the weddings that we go to when we hear, you know, you are my everything, you are my world, you fill me, you're fantastic, you're amazing, you're brilliant. That euphoria, that, that, that coming together is simply because we were ripped apart um, at birth, prior, prior to birth, and that coming together is a knowing, a eureka, a wow, I just found that missing part of who I am. Obviously, what pans out later is that we find that our better half sometimes can become our worse half. 
that person whom we get married to um, is, is able to press the best buttons within us, fill us in its our entirety that no other human being in this world can fill them, you know, fill, fill us up to, to the extent that it can, they can fill us up to. And the caveat is also true. That person can push our buttons and make us into the most horrendous person or put us in the most horrendous place simply because you are dealing with yourself. You're dealing with a very, very deep and very, very fundamental core of of who we are. And so in this mitzvah, in this um, idea of getting married, of being fruitful and multiply, we are seeing the, the, the concept of the foundation of marriage, the, the idea of sexuality, and the reason why it is very important and it is at the core um, of civilization. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and uh, we're wrapping up the idea um, of marriage and the commandment that God gave us to be fruitful and to multiply. Um, again, a lot more to be said on this idea, um, a, a lot of ideas around the idea of marriage, but suffice it to say for now, this is why it is the first, it is fundamental. Um, God recognized that once he split male and female, this need to come back again and form a co- cohesive unit and form something is very, very important. Just one other idea um, to be said that it says that one who voluntarily, and I'm underlying the word voluntarily, please hear it correctly, please do not misunderstand me, one who voluntarily chooses not to get married, it says that the doors of heaven will be closed to him simply because he will miss the entire point of having the the benefit of being brought into this world. Obviously, sometimes marriage is difficult for people. Having children is difficult for people. And one is not going to be held accountable if that is a difficulty. Um, If one finds it hard to find um, one's spouse, one finds it hard to have children and and, and suffers the the trials and tribulations of infertility, um, those are the trials and tribulations attributed to us. It is only when one voluntarily chooses to, to, to be different and not to do this is one held accountable. Because time is running out, I want just to touch on two more ideas um, which are absolutely fascinating in these three verses. And that is in verse 29, God says, I have given you all the grass yielding seed that is upon the entire earth and every tree that is sealed yielding fruit, it shall be for you for food. This over here tells us that in the beginning, when man was created, the only things that he could eat was fruit and vegetables. Okay, a man was vegetarian. Um, and it was only after Noah and the flood that the dispensation to eat meat um, and 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 become from a herbivore into a carnivore that 's when 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 that changed now um, this is this is a feather in the caps of the vegetarians, but not necessarily so on a much deeper level. Um, when man and woman were created, they were in an extremely high level of spirituality. We know that Adam could see from one end of the world to the other. That didn't mean that he was uh, he had excellent vision 
Physically, it meant that he had excellent spiritual vision. They were spiritually in tune, and they were very, very much um, people that were connected to godliness. And so in partaking of this world, it was not necessary to delve into every single layer of this world in order to elevate it. Just eating from the fruits and vegetables was enough. As man um, degenerated um, into a much more physical, less spiritual being. As we know by Noah already, the world was destroyed because of immorality and adultery and murder and all sorts of nasty things. God gave um, man the dispensation to eat from living things because man now needed to dig much deeper into himself um, in order to elevate this world in a more complete way. But it has to be said that when one looks at the laws of kashrut, when one looks at the laws of keeping kosher, even though we do eat meat and we eat chicken and we eat uh, food from other living organisms, um, it's is important to note that Judaism will only allow you to eat from those animals who they themselves are herbivorous. They chew the cud, they have split hooves. We do not eat from any animal that preys on another animal. Um, and the reason, one of the reasons given is that you are what you eat. We know that as a fact today. Um, certainly <clears throat> psychology and, and, and the nutrition, nutritionists around and the biologists and everybody in the medical field will tell you what goes in does become part of who we are. Torah is very cognizant that while we have to dig deeper, we have to delve deeper into this world in order to elevate it, we still do not go to a place where we are imbibing another living thing that has preyed on something else. We very much stick still to the the idea of, of them being herbivorous. So that, again, is a huge discussion. Vegetarianism versus being a carnivore, um, but here you can see that at the beginning of creation, that's how it was. Lastly, I want to bring to your attention one interesting um, word that is added into the story of creation that did not happen at any other point in time in this first chapter of Genesis, and this is when God saw that which he had created, we always heard the word vayihitov, and it, and it was good. Okay, it was good. Now we have the hine tov me'od, that things were very good. Okay, kol asherasa. He looked at everything he had made. The hine tov me'od, it was very good. Why are they adding in the word very me'od? So there's a few reasons. Obviously, on a practical reasons, it's kind of a summation that. You know, we look at creation as a whole now. We see the, 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 the sum total of all the various parts, and it was absolutely excellent. God had done a fantastic job. But there are another two reasons, and I'm going to share them with you right after this break. You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and in the last few minutes, just want to share you an idea as to why God says, Vehine Tov Me'od, that it was very good. Well, besides it being very good in the fact that everything was excellent, God created the world to perfection, we are told two other things. The first is if you look at the word Me'od, Mem Aleph Dalad, 
and you just scramble the letters around, you get the word Adam. So we could read Vihine Tov Adam. It was very good that man was created. As explained earlier, man was the pinnacle of creation. Man um, was is, is the main part in the entire creation. And it was when man was created that the entire world came together and the raison d'etre of the world um, was found. So that is one of the reasons. Another interesting is uh, interesting reason, quite fascinating. It says that vehine tov me'od, me'od means very, which means that the two tovs, two goods were created. So our rabbis teach that the first good that was created is that we were created in the image of God. We were created to serve God. We were created with a soul uh, that has the ability to soar spiritually and be connected with things far greater than, than who we are. The second ma'od, very interestingly and quite, um, quite gobsmackingly, is that it says that the other very good thing was that the malachamavet, the angel of death, was created or the yetzahara was created, your, your evil inclination. And one would go and say, how could that be? What is so good about the angel of death? Or what is so good about the evil inclination? And the rabbis come to teach us a very profound lesson that choice, that is what makes us different from every other part of creation. Um, the human being was given the ability to choose. And in, in order for us to choose, God had to create good and evil, positive and negative. And that negative, even though it has a very bad connotation because it makes our lives a misery, it makes us put in, in, in very difficult situations at times, is a good thing because that's, that is the cauldron through which we learn. That is how we actually advance spiritually. So when God saw that things were very good, that he created good and evil in the world, um, from a Jewish point of view, there's good and then there's very good. And how do we change the negativity in our lives, the obstacles in our lives, the hardships in our lives to being good by seeing them as lessons, as seeing them as classrooms through which we can dig deeper inside of ourselves and find something far deeper within ourselves. And then, as we all know, when we see people who have overcome their difficulties, their struggles, their hardships, their obstacles, you actually come out far greater and for stronger. And on that note, I'm going to end. This is the end of chapter one. Please, God, we will start learning chapter two very shortly. I am running away tomorrow. This cold weather, um, I didn't have the excuse, but now I have a great excuse to uh, run away from Joburg while this cold front comes and hits us. I'm going to uh, warmer weather. I'll be away uh, next week, but please God, after that, I will resume and we will start learning about the beauty of Shabbat because we're going to get into the seventh day of creation and understand what Shabbat is all about. In the meantime, stay warm, stay connected, and thank you for joining me on Chai FM.